Welcome to another episode of the MMA Logcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. And yes, I'm currently on the road, as you guys can hear in the car. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this is the only way I'm going to be able to record the podcast this week. I know it's super late, but y'all already know what the fuck I've been dealing with all week. So uh, if you don't already follow me on Twitter, make sure you guys do that at MMALOTN. Uh, but this episode, we're going to be going over UFC Uruguay. Uh, I don't want to dive too deep into each fight. I don't have too much time today to to dedicate to the podcast, but I do want to get into the best that I'm actually going to be making slash have already made. Um, as of this moment, I've officially only played Tisha Torres. Uh, I'll get into that as soon as we get down to that fight. Uh, but there are a couple of the spots that I'm looking at that I'll get into uh, for this podcast. So currently it's 9.30 the Friday before the fight, so less than 24 hours until the fights actually kick off. And I'm going to attempt to get these uh, this podcast up for you guys ASAP uh, so you guys can, you know, take my tips, take my advice. I know some of you have been waiting for it as well. So I just want to get something out for you guys. I apologize again once uh, for the, the delay in getting it out, but I don't want to miss an episode even if there's less than 24 hours left. Uh, until the fights kick off so I want to get something out for you guys uh, and here it is so like I said I'm going to be going over uh, a couple of these fights a little bit quicker than uh, the ones I'm actually betting on Uh, but I will actually go over my last event which was another victory (coughs) for us Um, so let's just get into that real quick so the last event that we had uh, was UFC Newark, which is headlined by Kobe Covington and Robbie Lawler. Uh, seeing how Kobe Covington performed, I kind of wish I laid the minus 200 on him. The guy's pace and fucking just ability to make people work and throw over 400 or 500 strikes, whatever the fuck he threw, and relentless takedown and relentless pressure. It's it's just insane, you know. I after Kamaru Usman beat Tyrone Woodley. Um, I was really convinced that nobody's going to beat Kamaru Usman. And, you know, it's more of a recency bias type of thing where as soon as you see a guy fight, you're like, that guy's a fucking world beater. He's the greatest. We kind of do that with champions like TJ Dillashaw back in the day. Like, not really back in the day, but when he beat uh, Cody Garbrandt for the second time, everybody's like, this guy's the GOAT bantamweight. Like, just let the guys simmer for a little bit before we start giving them those GOAT uh, titles, uh, but in terms of uh, Kamaru Usman being, you know, an unbeatable welterweight, I think we got to pump the brakes on that a little bit because I think Kobe Covington really has something to offer in return. Uh, and I think that uh, the line that I saw that I opened out was roughly around minus 250-ish for Robbie or for Kamaru Usman, maybe even minus 300. And I think that's a little bit wide. So uh, we'll see how we uh, how the lines shake out when the fight get, gets closer. And let alone an even book, we don't really know uh, when exactly that fight's going to go down because Kamaru Usman's uh, nagging, uh, has a nagging injury at the moment. But getting back to uh, UFC Newark, uh, in terms of my bet specifically, we'll start off with the two L's first. We'll start off with Darko Stosic. Uh, I had a 1.25 unit bet on him uh, at minus 124. I just wanted to profit one unit there. Uh, I thought, like, you know, with the odds being so close, uh, I still think that Kennedy and Zechigu is kind of green. Uh, so it's kind of uh, you know, I, I, it was more of a fade on his greenness, and I thought that Darko Stosic was be, would be able to land the, the power punches and hurt uh, Kenny and Zechuku, but, you know, he wasn't able to land clean enough to really create trouble and, uh, you know, 
go for that finish. Uh, but I kind of knew that in the in the lead up to this fight, and even going into betting this fight, that the one thing that uh, the one issue that Darko Stosic really has is his lack of uh, output and consistency at, at times uh, with the action that he uh, provides in some of his fights. So uh, he was, you know, he was lucky to get the quick finish of Jeremy Kimball in his uh, in one of his UFC fights. But then we saw, you know, his hindering performances uh, and his hindering lack of activity uh, when he fought other people. Uh, I can't really remember the, the the fight that he had before Kenny and such but uh, you know it, it was really lacking that's for sure uh, and my other L was uh, the Hannah Goldie and Miranda Granger fight to not go to decision um, you know I thought Miranda Granger played, played it a little bit safer than I thought she would have uh, but good for her she gets the victory she upsets Hannah Goldie a lot of people had Hannah Goldie as kind of like a lock of the night play especially in that lock of the night challenge that we just recently started up uh, and Miranda Granger comes out there and spoils the night for most of these people uh, so good underdog bet for a lot of people who hit Miranda Miranda Granger straight, but I had hit the fight doesn't go to decision at plus 145. Thought there was a lot of value there again with the style that Miranda Granger brings. However, uh, we hit a minus one unit there, but we go on to some winnings for the rest of the night. We had uh, the fight doesn't go to decision for Joachim Silva against Nazar Hakparas plus 120. I was kind of surprised that this was at plus money. Uh, said at the top of the podcast the main thing is recency bias here you know you guys see Joachim Silva and Nazar Hakparas go to decisions in the last couple of fights and you kind of think that they're decision fighters now that's not the case if you guys actually watch these fights you see how much power and heat that Nazra throws with uh even Joachim Silva himself you know he well he did finish Jared Gordon in his last fight so that fight didn't go to a, a decision but you know with Nazra you know he's close to finishing T-Bug Gautier numerous times he's throwing with heat against Martin Casey but never was able to pull him out or, or put him out uh but I thought that these these two guys perfectly matched up for some fireworks and uh Joachim Silva you know unfortunately had to take the L here took the loss uh, got finished by Naka and by Nazar Hakpras. I think it was like 20 or 30 seconds into that second round. So uh, I kind of wish I hit it more uh, due to the fact that it was plus 120 and plus money. I thought, you know, maybe a three unit bet probably would have sufficed. Uh, but I'm, I'm really trying to hammer down the, the, the unit distribution and the management. God damn. So we're currently like just passing through Kingston, Ontario. And there's a huge like fucking thunderstorm light, light show going down. Uh, just down the street, which is fucking nuts. So it's kind of cool to watch as I'm recording this podcast. But uh, yeah, getting back to the breakdown, or sorry, the the, the recap of UFC Newark. Um, yeah, I was super happy to get plus money on uh, Hakparas Silva fight doesn't go decision, and that's plus two point one units on that bet. And then we had my lock of the night play, which is in the Coleman event, Jim Miller against Clay Guida. Uh, I was very surprised to see this line stick around the minus one forty range. Um, I, I hit. Jim Miller at minus 149, minus 149. I saw my man UFC bro picks hit him at UFC, or sorry, hit him at minus 147, and I was kind of, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking that that's the lowest it was going to get. And by the time I got around to actually placing my bet, it went up a little bit to minus 149. Uh, and then a couple of days later, maybe maybe even the day after, I saw it got down to minus 137. That was kind of mystifying. I don't know what the fuck people were seeing in Clay Guida. Yeah, he you know beat up a completely outdated BJ Penn in his last fight. Um, however, uh, 
you know, he was getting a little bit pieced up in that fight too. It was not like completely pieced up, but uh, there were times where BJ Penn was actually catching him and making it a closer fight than it should have been. And I, uh, you know, Jim Miller is mainly known for his jiu-jitsu, but the man can crack as well. So he took one on the chin against Clay Guida, showed he was a little bit rock, came back himself, eventually got Clay Guida down and then tapped him out. Uh, very, impre- very impressive performance by Jim Miller, and I was happy to have him as my lock of the night play. Plus 3.36 units on Jim Miller, so fuck yeah, that was great to hit overall for the event it was plus 3.2 sorry 3.21 units uh for a 36 percent return on investment very happy with that performance that's two straight uh winning events right there uh and we got a third one coming right up this weekend well tomorrow i should say uh, with ufc uruguay uh right now i only have one play uh official which is uh, Tisha Torres over Marina Rodriguez. I'll dive into that very shortly, but we're going to start off at the bottom of the card. Um, quick thoughts on UFC Uruguay. You know, besides the fact that you have Vicente Luque and Mike Perry going at it, that's, uh, you know, potential fight of the year candidate. A lot of people are really looking forward to that fight. Maybe not. Uh, I, you know what? Mike Perry has put together a couple victories, so it is impressive and, and I guess kind of deserved to have a fight like Vicente Luque to kind of start weeding out the guys at the, the top 15, top 10 range. Uh, and I have a, you know, I, I think that Vicente Luque has a very high ceiling, uh, so it's a very intriguing fight for him here uh, against a guy that likes to bring it in, Mike Perry. Uh, other f- uh, notable fights, uh, we got Veronica Macedo coming back, uh, Tisha Torres, like I said, uh, Bobby Moffitt against Enrique Barzola should be an interesting uh, stylistic matchup in terms of grapplers. Uh, the UFC debut of Cyril Gan or Gone, I don't know, it's some fucking French name, but he's been fighting over at TKO uh, for Quebec. Apparently, he's a Francis Ngannou protege, so I know I know a lot of people are very excited to see him make his UFC debut. Uh, and talking about UFC debuts, Rodolfo Vieira is also making his UFC debut. Uh, very impressive jiu-jitsu player, um, you know, built like a brick shit house. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to uh, implement his jiu-jitsu prowess against a brown belt. I believe Piotrota may might even be a black belt at this point. Uh, but uh, you know, you, uh, Piotrota is pretty UFC tested with three uh, three UFC fights currently. Uh, even though he's coming off a loss to Joe Mirshard, uh, I think this is a decent test for Rodolfo Vera uh, to finally. Um, you know, make his UFC debut and put a stamp uh, and probably get a victory here, but we'll break that down as well. Uh, what else we got? Humberto Bandene, uh, Mike Perry against Luque, Latifi against Uzdemir is a fight that was supposed to go down earlier this year. They got a rebook for this fight, so it's, or for this event, so that's great. Uh, and then obviously the main event with Valentina Shevchenko trying to avenge one of her uh, three losses, uh, which is to uh, Liz Carmouche, uh, which is way back in the regional days. I believe it was LFA or something like that, uh, or legacy fighting uh, that they had this fight at. Uh, so, you know. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko wants to right wrongs from her past uh, and this is an absolutely perfect opportunity considering there's really nobody out there uh, that can um, that 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 really uh, possesses some sort of threat to her other than Amanda Nunes and again that fight would have to take out take place at 135 pounds as well as uh, who wants to see a third fight when the fighter has already gone 0-2 against this opponent but she's just going to have to keep knocking off contenders uh, and they'll have to, uh, you know, they'll have no other choice but the, but to give her another shot at 135 pounds uh, for that title. So let's just get right the fuck into this card. I'm going to gloss over a couple quick picks for you guys uh, and then get into some
some fights uh, or get into some breakdowns for some fights that I really want to bet on. Uh, kicking off the card, I'm going to go by the tape index fight order. I believe they've changed the order. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I'm going to just go by the way that I set up the tape index on Newsom MMA's website. Make sure you guys check that out as well. Uh, everything you need for gambling preparation. Uh, pretty much one click away, so make sure you guys check that shit out. All right, let's start off with Chris Gutierrez against Geraldo De Freitas. Um, sorry, Geraldo De Freitas Jr. Let's not forget the junior because that shit's really important, apparently. Uh, Chris Gutierrez, great striker, put on the clinic against Ryan McDonald last time out. Uh, you know, gave Hani Barcelos a lot of fits as well, uh, but then came out on losing in there. And holy fuck, so much traffic on the other way. God damn. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for those people. Uh, <laughs> my bad. Get back to the fights. Uh, I think the Freitas has a great uh, advantage in terms of the grappling. Uh, I don't think that Gutierrez has the greatest takedown defense, so I think the Freitas will be able to get this fight to the ground. I think that he'll grind a decision out here. Uh, not the most confident in the Freitas, though. I did not like how much, uh, how many times he was he gave up position against Felipe Carlaris. Uh, but you know, I don't think that Gutierrez is going to show the type of uh, grappling prowess that. Calera showed in that fight as well. So um, concerning flaws in the Freitas's game, uh, but I do think that he has the advantage stylistically here, and I think he is the victory uh, via decision. Moving on, Poliana Vienna against Veronica Macedo. Uh, pretty much a classic striker versus grappler matchup here. Veronica Macedo coming off a loss to Jillian Robinson in her last fight, uh, which was another striker versus grappler where the grappler prevailed. And uh, but the thing with Jillian Robinson is like she's one of those, like those uh, you know, get the kill or get carried out on your shield type of girl, um, or sorry, type of fighter I should say. Uh, and she showed that her last time out as well when she fought, uh, who the fuck did she fight? Sarah Frota. I bet the fight doesn't go to decision there. And it was bang on. Uh, and I think that uh, if Poliana Vienna can produce the same type of pressure that uh, Jillian Robinson did and just go for relentless takedowns, maybe play on the feet a little bit, but just enough to, to get Veronica hypnotized and thinking this fight is going is to mainly take place on the feet and then mixing in a takedown. I think that's kind of her only uh, real... Uh, path to victory here however I don't really trust her uh, wrestling ability you know she had a lot of trouble getting Hannah Cyphers down as well as JJ Aldrich um, and uh, you know Veronica Macedo may not be as strong in those as those girls but she has decent movement she has good striking I think she's going to be able to kind of land at will on Poliana Vienna here but it's a tough fight to bet in terms of uh, the odds themselves excuse me uh, it's a pretty close fight. Uh, minus 135 for Poli, or sorry, for Veronica Macedo with the return on uh, Poli out of Vienna at plus 125. I, I like, uh, I, I, I normally side with grapplers, uh, which is why I, I like uh, Poli out of Vienna, but uh, I, I just can't seem to pull the trigger at plus 125 on Poli Vienna. If you guys see her closer to like the plus 160-ish range, if they, if she somehow gets steamed in the next, you know, fucking less than 24 hours, 18 hours or so, uh, I would make a small play on Poliana Vienna, but I'm going to go with Veronica Macedo here. I think that she keeps the fight on the feet, she beats up Vienna, she keeps her feet moving, uh, and she just, you know, keeps the fight uh, in an advantageous position for herself, uh, and she outpoints Poliana Vienna on the feet. So I'm taking uh, Veronica Macedo by decision. 
Next up, we got Gilbert Burns versus Alexei Kunchenko. Uh, this is a fight that I'm highly considering playing Alexei Kunchenko at. I saw him roughly at minus 147 the last time I looked at the odds. Uh, right now, he's currently sitting at minus 125 on five dimes. I think I'm going to hit that shit as soon as I finish recording this podcast. I might go about two units deep on Kunchenko. You know, he has really crisp striking, a very tight boxing guard. He never really gets hit with anything crazy, but he's also not going to go out there and fucking, you know, fight your fight his ass off in terms of trying to look for a finish he wants to stay as disciplined as possible he wants to get the victory uh and even if that means you know just doing enough on the feet to get the victory i think that's what he'll do the tiago alves fight was pretty freaking close but i think that uh you know Kacheco showed a lot better boxing um, and I think he showed the same thing in the Yushin Okami fight and he's also a guy that can kind of mix it up if he wants as well you know he'll lull you he'll lull you to thinking that this is going to be a striking battle and then eventually take you down uh, but I don't know if he wants to do that against a guy like Bill, uh, Gilbert Burns the one disadvantage I think that Gilbert Burns has coming into this fight is the fact that he's taking it on short notice as well as him going up in weight to take this fight as well you know last time around he fought a guy in Mike Davis who doesn't present the same striking uh, threat that Alexei Kunchenko brings. Gilbert Burns, you know, he's mainly known for his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but with his striking, I think that uh, it's a little wild. He's been able to catch some people and make it a little bit of a tougher fight, like the Olivier Aubameyang fight. I, I really thought that uh, OAM was going to have the, the advantage on the striking department, but Gilbert Burns just put the pressure on, was able to land big shots and keep Aubameyang uh, at bay. Uh, but uh, I think that he's going to have a tougher time hitting and getting the respect of Alexei Kunchenko here, which is why I'm going to go with Kunchenko. I think that this is going to go to a decision. I think you're going to see another, uh, you know, patented uh, Alexei Kunchenko type of performance where he keeps the discipline, lets Gilbert Burns kind of overextend on punches, maybe land a lot of, uh, not maybe, but definitely land a lot of counters counter punches the you know the tighter christmas strikes the straighter punches down the middle and i think that's what's going to hurt gilbert burns and make it really difficult for him to get the victory here uh so you know taking a size re well maybe not reach but taking the size uh the short notice and the massive in my opinion the massive striking um advantage that kuchenko has i think he has a really good opportunity to win this fight and i'm taking him by decision and i will most likely bet him as soon as i finish recording this podcast at uh, minus he was minus 125 at dimes but i have sport bets so he's minus 127 i'll probably make it a 2 to 2.5 unit bet on alexei kunchenko so make sure you guys keep your eyes peeled for that shit next up uh rodrigo vargas against alex da silva uh you know there's a lot of hype on da silva coming into the ufc uh when he went up against alexander yakovlev unfortunately yakovlev uh came out on the winning end there spoiling da silva's ufc debut and that's why i'm always a little bit hesitant now to bet people that are making their ufc debuts uh i don't believe i had the money on da silva that night but he was probably in a couple hail mary plays uh but uh you know i I, I'm not too familiar with the, the Rodrigo Vargas guy. Uh, I haven't looked into that fight uh, enough. Uh, again, just starting off with it. It's his UFC debut. He is coming off a victory, uh, rather a quick victory over Mike Dilatore his last time out uh, in a regional promotion. That's actually actually what got him signed. Uh, but I think he has a tough test in Alex De Silva. Great striker. Uh, and I think that, that now that he's got his feet wet in the UFC, he should be able to capture his first UFC victory as well. So I'm going to take De Silva by decision. But 
Uh, I would much rather lean on another capper if you guys are really interested in betting that fight. Uh, but for me, uh, I'm a little bit off, especially with the fact that the last time I saw De Silva's odds, he's roughly around minus 285. That might be a little bit too much juice for a lot of people out there. Next up, we have Rogerio Bonsford against Howlin Pava. Um, Peva, you know, unfortunately lost to Kaikar Francis last time out, and then Bontran pretty much upsetting, uh, pulling off the upset of upsets against Magomed uh, Big Bilatov, who is seen as a potential flyweight champion. Unfortunately, he takes an L there, and Bontran, uh, you know, makes a splash um, in the UFC's. Uh, flyweight division and him and Pavar are like one of the few flyweights remaining I know they've side Brandon Moreno again they got a couple other guys that they're bringing back in and Henry Suudo has kind of had a bit of a resurgence or allowed a bit of a resurgence in the flyweight division uh, so we'll see where Paiva and Bontran uh, you know kind of shake out uh, where the odds sitting at right now for this fight uh, plus 100 Paiva and minus 110 Bontrin. Uh It's a pass for me. I, I'm gonna have. To, I, I'll see if I'll be, I'll be able to have a chance to look into this fight a little bit deeper. But I don't think I'm gonna have the opportunity. Um, so I'm just gonna go with Paiva, blind shot in the dark. Don't take my word for it. Um, but I got Paiva there. Next up, my lock of the night play in Tisha Torres against Marina Rodriguez. So, like I said, and like I've been saying this entire fucking podcast recency bias i truly believe the only reason this line is as close as it is uh is uh the fact that tisha torres is on a three fight skit you look closer at those three fights you got jessica andrage who is the current champ uh yuani Yanjechek, who is uh a former champ or slash you know a woman's goat pretty much uh and then wali Zhang, who's currently uh scheduled to fight the champion jessica andrage uh later this year so Tisha Torres has a, had a tough out in her last three fights. You know, before that, she's coming off uh, two victories over, or sorry, three victories over Beck Rawlings, Juliana Lima, and Michelle Watterson, uh, and then completely being put up against killers the last couple times out. Um, whereas Marina Rodriguez, she's coming off an absolute beating of Jessica Aguilar, and I think that's really allowing people to uh, drink the Marina Rodriguez juice a little bit more. I think they're happy to take her out plus money, and I can't really blame them. I kind of understand it. You know, she does have good striking. She has crisp striking, but you're getting taken down by a motherfucking uh, head and arm throw by Ronda Marcos. That's not that's that's not high level shit. And I truly believe that Tisha Torres is one of the few women up there, uh, probably in like the top six, top seven ish range, uh, who can you know pull off that type of takedown herself as well. Uh, but also just being, she might be the shorter girl here, but she is very physically imposing. She's built to shit like you know she's like a mini Alistair Overeem almost she's it's just fucking jacked shit but she really shows her strengths in her fights and I think that Marina Rodriguez has shown issues against people that are strong grapplers uh you know she was able to uh pull off a draw against Ronda Marcos after a very uh unfortunate first round but Marcos for some reason was just not going after the takedowns as hard as she was in that first round uh for the next two rounds for some reason uh but I think that with Tisha Torres you're going to see a girl with a a little bit more consistency and commitment to a game plan and i believe that's what tisha torres along with her att uh training camp that she's with is going to come in with the perfect game plan to completely uh nullify the striking and uh muay thai prowess of a uh, marina rodriguez yeah i will give it to her you know rodriguez has great striking like she does throw very crisply but when you're punching when you're punching a, a punching bag pretty much and jessica aguilar it's not um 
you know, it's it, you got to look at that uh, with a little bit of um, you got to look at that with a little bit of a uh, you know with a not bias per se, but uh, with a great assault. That's probably the the phrase I'm looking at. Oh damn, that was good lightning. Um, yeah. So uh, I think that uh, you, you really have to look at the level of competition in the last fights before making a decision on this. Uh, so I hit uh, Tisha Torres at minus 149. I think that there's great value for her there. I think she's uh, gatekeeper level, but like higher gatekeeper level. Like I think that she's like the Rafael dos Santos of that, of, that, of that division where she'll beat, like, she'll w- help weed out that division for the top girls, like Wally Zhang, Yuan and Jacek, and, uh, and Jessica Andrade to, 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 you know, fight these contenders. And if Marina Rodriguez somehow gets past Tisha Torres, I think she's definitely up there and ready for that top five uh, level of competition. Uh, but I don't think that she's going to show that here against Torres. And I think that Torres just absolutely outgrinds her uh, and takes a decision victory uh, via pretty much grapple-fucking. Uh, next up, we got Bobby Moffitt against Enrique Barzola. I, I, like I said at the top of the show, I think it's a great fight stylistically. Both guys are great grapplers. Uh, you know, and Barzola's showing his grappling more so in his uh, more recent fights. Uh, and Bobby Moffitt, you know, just being a great wrestler all around, uh, especially coming from a great training camp at the MMA lab. Uh, you know, unfortunately, lost to Bryce Mitchell his last time out. Uh, Mitchell just had that extra phone on the gas to get the victory there. Uh, you know, he had that weird victory over Chas Skelly the fight before that where the ref thought that Skelly was out but he was actually not um, or he was I don't know you'd be the judge of that one uh, but I think that uh, this this is more of a toss-up fight this might be a fight where you just kind of have to go a, a dog or pass um, both guys are just you know very relentless with their takedowns I'd say more so Barzola than than uh, that Moffitt which is why probably Barzola has a slight edge on the odds right now he's currently around minus 120 and Bobby Moffat plus 110. I might take a shot at Bobby Moffat here, you know. Um, but Barzola's coming off that very unfortunate loss to Kevin Aguilar last time around. And, uh, you know, that was a very demoralizing fight to kind of watch because I had a little bit of money on Enrique Barzola. I thought that uh, Barzola, uh, you know, he was going to be able to get in on Kevin Aguilar, hold him against the cage, and then eventually drag him down. But Aguilar showed great striking. He showed great uh, resiliency to keep this fight on the feet, uh, and he absolutely battered Enrique Barzola. Uh, but I, I like Bobby Moffat here. I think that he shows some great chokes. Um, you know, I don't think that this fight is going to go... Uh, uh, or or go to a finish. I think that we'll see these guys go the full 15 minutes. Uh, and I'll go with the dog here. I'll go with Bobby Moffitt. I think he gets the better of the grappling exchanges as well. Shows a little bit better on uh, striking. Um, and unfortunately, Hans Barzola, his second straight loss. So dog or pass situation for me. Not sure if I'll 100% bet Bobby Moffitt. But as of right now, I think he's the most intriguing dog to me uh, on the card. All right, next up, we got Hafiel Pesau. Uh, again, or sorry, Pessoa against Cyril Gan or Gon, however the fuck you want to pronounce it. Um, Gan is really showing a lot of um, similarities to Francis Ngannou in terms of uh, maybe a little bit better movement as well. He, he seems a little bit light on his feet, throws with a lot of power, loves throwing the jab out there, uh, loves mixing it up to the body as well, so he keeps his opponents guessing. Uh, but the fucking beatdown that he put on Roger Souza um, in his last fight was just 
just I, I felt bad watching it. I felt like I was almost watching an execution. That guy was way too slow. That guy was way too willing to get hit. Uh, and it eventually just kept adding up. And uh, Gotten was able to get the victory before the first round was up. I think he really arrived on the scene after he beat Adam Diska, who was seen as like the top heavyweight in Canada, and then he came in and just absolutely, absolutely steamrolled him. Uh, but Paisal, you know, I think he has the same issues as uh, Roger Souza. I think that he is slightly better than Souza, but I think he's just as slow. His strikes are a little bit wide, which will allow Cyril Gabe to come in with a quick darting uh, jab, uh, as well as the, his straight down the middle. I think he's going to hurt Paisal. I think this fight's not going to go longer than five rounds. I think that. We we see Gunn arrive on the scene with a very emphatic finish. Uh, the under one and a half is minus 200. I might take a poke at that at two units because I think both of these guys are coming in there to kind of look for a quick finish. Uh, and more so Gunn, I think that he really wants to make a statement uh, and kind of show that he's arrived uh, on the scene uh, in the UFC with a, uh, with a very beautiful finish over Hatfield. Um, and I'm going to take Gunn by a first round KO. And I might hit that minus 200 uh, under one and a half rounds. So keep an eye out for that. Next up, we got Rodolfo Vieira making his UFC debut against Oscar Piachota. Piachota is coming off that victory, or sorry, off that loss to Gerald Mearshart where he looked really good in the first round. He dropped Gerald Mearshart, was always able to get uh, like that... Um, that front choke position uh he was threatening a lot with the dart stroke uh you know he's a he's a high level jiu-jitsu guy as well i'm not 100 sure if he's a brown belt or a black belt but i know at, at worst he's a brown belt uh but he's going up against the guy in rodolfo Vieira, who's uh kenny florin keeps saying this guy is a motherfucker when it comes to jiu-jitsu um he he, lo he looks built almost to like um uh Husmar paul harris level uh but he seems a little bit more seems to have a little bit more dexterity than uh than uh Husamar. um you know his fights he doesn't make any bones about it he wants to get in on the inside he wants to get a hold of you uh drag you to the floor and then implement his jiu-jitsu he doesn't really fuck around on the feet at all um i think that he's kind of lucky here that he gets a guy in piachoto who's not the greatest striker out there i think that he'll be able to and i don't think that piachoto has the the greatest movement either so i think that Vieira will be able to close the distance pretty easily and get this fight to the ground um i see him kind of bull rushing piachoto pushing him against the cage, dragging him to the ground, uh, and then just working his jiu-jitsu. Um, with that said, like Piotr, he got uh, submitted by Gerald Mearshart at the end of that second round, but uh, that pressure that Mearshart was putting on him for like the last two minutes or so of that fight, uh, I don't know if Alviero is going to be able to put up that type of pressure and kind of hurt him uh, and, and tire him the same way that uh, Mearshart was able to. So if this fight goes past that first round mark, I think that Vieira, you know, it's gonna look a little dicey. Um, so uh, I will take Vieira by first round sub, but I'm gonna stay away from it at minus 200 or minus 220, whatever the fuck is that, uh, strictly due to the fact that I I need to see that the, the cardio is gonna hold up uh, and I'm just not sold on it yet either. I'm not saying that Piachota has the greatest cardio either and, and that he's like a fucking marathon runner, but uh, you don't know how fighters kind of react and what kind of habits they revert to uh, once they start sucking wins. So I'm going to take a, I'm going to pass on Rodolfo Vieira as a bet, but I am picking him to win uh, by first round submission. So uh, there you have it. Next up, we got Humberto Bandide against Luis Eduardo Garat. Fuck, this one's, this one's tough for a I don't know why the fuck you got to hit me with this one. Luis Eduardo Garagori. I tried. I'm sorry. I tried. I hate Kennedy and Zetchuk. 
really fucking easy. I got that one quick. I don't know why, but this one, this one's gonna be a little bit hard. I gotta see who's calling the fights and if they're able to hit it properly as well. Um, so Garagori, not too much tape out on him, uh, at least not as of recently. Um, his last fight out, at least the one that I saw, was against Augusto, Augustin Marquez. It only lasted a minute and 30 seconds. I managed to get the fight to the ground and then uh, finished his opponent off with punches. Um, but in the fight before that, uh, he won via submission uh, three minutes into the first round. This, se this seems to be a guy that doesn't really like going to a decision. So maybe the fight doesn't go to decision prop is something to look at here. Especially with the guy who throws this heavy and is Muay Thai oriented like Humberto Vandene. Um Let's see what the odds are currently. Plus 105 for Abandoné. Minus 115 for Garagori. Uh, fight doesn't go to decision at minus 250. So maybe a little bit too much juice right there uh, for the fight doesn't go to decision. Um, but... Uh, Fuck, I, I don't know. You're going with grappler versus striker, it seems like here. Uh, I'm going to go with Bandanay, though. I think that, again, UFC experience, uh, long, lanky range, uh, powerful striker. You know, had that very, uh, that upset win over Martin Bravo a couple fights ago. But he's had a tough time uh, the last couple times, especially against that uh, Gabriel Benitez where he got KO'd pretty bad. Um, but I'll still go with Bandanay. No bet for me, though. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much all I got to say about that fight. Next up, we got Mike Perry against Vicente Luque, a fight that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, Luque is coming off a quick victory over Derek Krantz's last time out. Um, you know, he beat the, uh, or sorry, uh, Derek Krantz came up very hot in uh, at the beginning of that fight. It, you know, rocked Luque, hit him with a beautiful uppercut, uh, and even had his back. Uh, almost was able to sink in the truck, but unfortunately was not able to. Uh, Luque, you know, really good jiu-jitsu player, uh, but I'd say an even better grab, or sorry, an even better striker. Uh, and I think that um, we're going to see a mix of both things this time around against Mike Perry. I think that Luque is definitely the more crisper and technical striker. I think that uh, he'll be able to land on Mike Perry, who just kind of, you know, moves forward and throws with a little bit of reckless abandon. But we have seen some improvements from Mike Perry. You know, he that Alex Oliveira fight, a lot of people had Oliveira winning that fight or, or uh, you know, at least picked him to win the fight. And Mike Perry comes out there, breaks Alex Oliveira as well, uh, and just, you know, lands the better shots over the three rounds uh, and just, just, just... Just puts on a very impressive performance, especially against a guy that many people that Oliveira was just going to be able to, um, you know, just kind of run over. Um, Mike Perry. One thing that I want to note is he's on a he's he's what is he two and one in his last three fights with the Zoni loss coming to Donald Cowboy Cerrone uh, in a fight that he stupidly took the fight to the ground and then got submitted. Uh, but he showed uh, some good striking against uh, Paul Felder. Say what you want about Paul Felder and having his busted arm in that for the majority of that fight. But I think the Alex Oliveira fight really showed us that you know he's able to go the, the full, full, full 15 minutes, implement a good striking game plan. Uh, but I think that he's just going to be outgunned here with Vicente Luque uh, as a mixed martial artist uh, in general. I think that Vicente Luque doesn't mind playing on the feet a little bit. I think he's just got to be a little bit cautious of Mike Perry's power because, you know, one shot is all it pretty much takes for some of these guys. And uh, even though Luque, you know, survived that barrage by Derek Krantz at the beginning, that Brian Barberino fight must still have some sort of effect on him. That shit was just absolutely bonkers. I'm not sure how he ended up pulling out the victory near the end of that fight. Uh, but you definitely got to worry about the durability of Vicente Luque. 
Luke moving forward. Uh, but with Mike Perry, man, I think he's just more sort of a one hitter quarter type of guy. If he if he's not able to land that big shot. Um, uh, against a guy like Vicente Luque, because we've seen like like you know he he beat Alex Oliveira all over uh, for 15 minutes, uh, but I we've seen Cowboy Oliveira break in the past, and I don't know if we'll see a break in Vicente Luque. Um, I think that he, you know, even when he's getting beat up like we saw in the Brian Barberina fight, he shows a lot of resiliency. He's con- he comes back and still pulls out the victory. But I think his jiu-jitsu um, prowess here is what's going to give him a victory. I think we could even see Vicente Luque pull off some sort of submission uh, after he plays around on the feet a little bit, eventually gets the fight to the ground. Uh, and I think that he makes Mike Perry tap in the second round. I'm, I'm very excited for it. I hope we get to see some fireworks. But just for the longevity, of Vicente Luque. I think I hope he pulls out a good victory, uh, a quick victory, doesn't take too much damage, and then gets right back in there against the top five, top seven-ish guy because he needs to get that freaking rub. So I'm going with Vicente Luque by second round submission. Uh, what I bet, let's see, um, what's he sitting at? Minus 215, minus 208 on Pinnacle. That's not that bad. I might actually drop a little bit of coin on him too. So I'll check that out for sure. Uh, all right, that leads us to our Komen event, which is Volkan Uzdemir against Lear Latifi. I like, um, so initially when this fight was actually booked, I had a Lear Latifi, uh, actually played him as well. I think I had him at the plus 150-ish range. I might be wrong about that, but I think that it was definitely at a number that I was very impressed by uh, and was, you know, happy enough to pull the trigger on. Um, with Volkan Uzdemir, though, he showed a lot of good things in his fight against Dominic Reyes. He's coming into that fight as a heavy underdog. He lost that fight, but a lot of people think he won that fight. Um, I was very impressed by his forward pressure. I was very impressed by the fact that he was able to get Dominic Reyes down, who himself is a pretty decent grappler. And Dominic Reyes has a, had a lot of trouble getting Volkan Uzdemir down. I think that literally Tifi is obviously the better wrestler, but I think uh, he's going to have trouble closing the distance without eating a lot of heavy shots from Volkan and we've seen a little Latifi go out in, in uh, past fights. So I gotta, I, I, I favor Volkan Uzdemir here now. I don't know if I'll bet the fight. Um, you know, if Alir Latifi is able to get this fight to the ground, um, I think that he should be able to to keep Volkan Uzdemir there. And I think that he'll have a lot of success if he finds it there. But I don't think that he's going to find it there. I think that Volkan Uzdemir is just going to keep the forward pressure on Alir. You know, we've seen Alir uh, kind of accept the back foot at times. And Volkan Uzdemir, even in that Dominic Reyes fight, he's always moving forward. He's always threatening with big shots. Uh, and I think that's going to create a lot of trouble for Alir Latifi. Uh, but I got Volkan Uzdemir here. I think that he, I want to say he finishes Alir Latifi. I'll call it in the second round. I think that he's going to go for, um, you know, some sort of takedown. Gets a kind of uh, blocked, or sorry, um, not blocked. It gets sprawled on, uh, and then, uh, you know, starts sucking wind, and Volkan Uzmir lands big shots and eventually puts the other TV out. It's kind of weird for me from going from uh, betting a guy at a certain number to like almost flipping my entire perspective on the fight, uh, especially after, you know, seeing the performance of Reyes and uh, uh, Volkan Uzdemir. So uh, I like Volkan. I'm going to say second round TKO, uh, and he gets the victory there. Lastly, Valentina Shevchenko against Liz Carmouche. So this is a headlining fight. We got Shevchenko defending her title for a uh, second time after coming off that big victory over Jessica I. Uh, one thing I really want to say, I believe I bet Valentina Shevchenko in the distance of that, and that was a that was a really good line that I got it at as well. I got to confirm that but I was very much surprised at the amount of people that were 
uh, picking uh, Valentina Shevchenko to actually win by decision in that fight. I don't understand it. I really don't understand it because uh, we've seen the deficiencies in Jessica Jessica I's game. Yes, yeah, so I had Valentina Shevchenko 1.25 units at minus one two. I thought the line was better, but uh, probably should have put some more money on it too, to be honest, because I was very adamant that she was going to get the finish. Um, yeah, we we've seen deficiencies in Jessica I's game. She's been hittable. Uh, you know, she just has never fought a girl that hits as hard as Valentina Shevchenko, in my opinion. And we saw the the result of that uh, once they actually faced off. Um, I think there's a lot of disrespect towards Valentina Shevchenko that people were lining her at like the minus 100-ish range, plus 100-ish range uh, to win inside the distance against Jessica I. But I think she has a tougher out here against Liz Carmouche, who's a little bit more durable. Um, you know, she has a bit of a chin. Um, and I think her grappling allows her to stay out of bad positions. Um, you know, she's able to shoot for takedowns if she's in any type of trouble. Uh, but I think she's going to have... Uh, plenty of trouble against Valentina Shevchenko here. Uh, I know she has a loss to her as via Dr. Savage. I haven't been able to find the footage on that fight. If anybody does, make sure you guys hit me up in the comments so I can actually check that out. But I truly believe that they are much different fighters than they were back then. Um, I truly think that Shevchenko is the GOAT uh, currently outside of Amanda Nunes uh, and Ioana Janjacek. But her skill set is just insane. Uh, especially that fight going into against uh, Juliana Pena. That fight was lined very closely. A lot of people thought that Juliana Pena would have the an absolute huge advantage in the grappling pers uh, grappling aspect of that fight if it had gotten into that type of scenario. And what do we see? Fucking Valentina Shevchenko pull off a beautiful uh, submission um, to get the victory there. It was an armbar actually in the second round with 30 seconds left. Uh, and that was a headliner as well. So, you know, showed that she could deal with the pressure, uh, especially coming off that big victory against Holly Holm uh, in the fight before that. But, you know, she dummies Priscilla Cachuera, uh completely outclasses Yoni and Jacek for over five rounds. And then deads uh, Jessica I within 30 seconds of the second round and now in this fight against Liz Carmouche I think we might see another decision victory for uh, Valentina Shevchenko I think that she'll pay, play it safe by outpointing Carmouche on the feet I think she's the better striker for sure um, and I think that her grappling holds up just enough that she'll be able to um, uh, pull out the decision victory uh, but also with Liz Carmouche I don't think that she'll actually get finished I just want to confirm the number in terms of uh, how many times this Carmouchman's finished because I don't think it's been much yet. She's only ever gotten submission submitted twice. Uh, first one, uh, second one was by Ronda Rousey, and then before that she got submitted by Marlos Kunin. Uh, for a lot of people who know Marlos Kunin, she was pretty badass in her day uh, when she was actually reigning uh, in strike force and, and winning the bantamweight champion back then. But uh, I, I like Valentina Shevchenko here. I think that she pulls off the victory. I think she continues her uh, her reign. Uh, and I just don't know who's next for her. Like, it's really tough to to pinpoint uh, a specific challenger because I think all of them would be, you know, we would see a minus 1,000 price tag on uh, Valentina to Shevchenko straight. Um, I think most of the value that's going to be on Shevchenko now uh, is to pick and choose the spots that she would be able to win inside the distance. Uh, but uh, I don't think that this is one of those fights. I think that Karmush's toughness and durability will play out. And I truly believe that she has good enough cardio to stick it out for the five rounds without getting finished too. So I got Valentina Shevchenko um, uh, to win by decision. 
So that's pretty much it for the UFC Uruguay card. The next card coming up is UFC 241, which is headlined by Daniel Cormier and uh, Stipe Miocic. We also have the return of Nate motherfucking Diaz against Anthony Pettis. And uh, we got one more. Oh, Yoel Romero against Paulo Costa. That should be a motherfucking fight as well. So very excited for that card. Uh, I'm going to be breaking it down on Monday uh, when I'm finally back in the studio with Big Rob. And I got... A little bit of a surprise for you guys as well. I can't wait to show you guys what that's going uh, to be. Um, I'm really excited to to implement some new, uh, you know, wrinkles into the MMA Lawcast and try to grow it as much as possible. So I think you guys will like what I got in store for you. Uh, that should be out for you guys on Tuesday. Uh, once again, apologies for getting this podcast out uh, a little bit late in the week, uh, but hopefully you guys are able to listen to it, uh, give my advice, uh, and just know that Tisha motherfucking Torres is the lock of the night for UFC Uruguay. Um, and I think that's about it. Oh, I've kind of been sitting on the last Combatasaurus episode. Uh, I need to put that fucking out. I will put that out as soon as I can. Uh, me and Tony recorded that episode last week. Again, just been a crazy fucking week. Haven't been able to get the episode out. Uh, but it will be out for you guys very soon, I promise. And it will still be relevant in terms of some of the discussions that we have. So make sure you guys enjoy that. Uh, anything else? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. MMALOTN.ca uh, to see all my official picks. Make sure you guys uh, check out, uh, you know, b- before the fights kick off, go to my website to see all my official plays there. Also, you can see all my plays at, uh, on Twitter at MMALOTN. Uh, and again, if I profit this weekend, the picks are back to paid. So make sure you guys try to take advantage while you can. Otherwise, you guys got to chip me off a little bit uh, to get this fucking knowledge. That's it. All right. From the road almost to Ottawa, I think we got about an hour to go still. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening. And I will see you guys next week. Later. <laughs>